can have a seat. Have you ever been through the experience of maybe unintentionally hurting someone's feeling, maybe someone that is important to you and man, you just really can't rest until you get that thing fixed, that nothing is right in your life because you know this relationship is not right. And it's a really awesome feeling when you go to someone and you tell them you're sorry, you tell them you didn't mean for this to happen, you ask for forgiveness, and then they offer forgiveness. Like such a relief to know that they have chosen to forgive you. And yet, if you're a little like me, Maybe it'd be better if you're not. You still sort of wonder, do they really forgive me? Like there's no real proof. Like you can't, there's nothing that's going to change, make you know in that moment that they have completely forgiven you. And so you wonder, do they really forgive? And are they going to hold this against you a little bit later on? Maybe they don't even mean to, but they're going to. And there's still going to be a little awkwardness in the relationship. When you see each other, you're going to feel that. And you wonder, could they forgive? And maybe even think, well, I know it's pretty hard to forgive. And what I've done, I don't know if I'd be able to forgive that very easily. And so all that goes through your head. And you're just wondering if the forgiveness is real. You know, in 27 years of ministry, one of the things that I found out is that people find it really hard to believe that God has forgiven them. We ask for forgiveness, and we know that God says He will forgive, and yet we sometimes wonder, could God really forgive? I mean, we look in our own lives and say, look at the stuff that I've done. Look at how many times I've made that same mistake. I've done the same thing over and over again. And, and we wonder, has God really forgiven me? And, and could it be that God would choose to forgive me knowing the stuff that I've done? Now, I can see other people, and I don't think they've done the same things that I've done. I could believe that God had forgiven them, but could God really forgive me? And sometimes we doubt that. And it affects our relationship with God. I mean, we know that God has opened up this relationship with him, even though we didn't deserve it. And he's chosen to, to be in a relationship both now and for eternity. But if we can't believe that he forgives us, then there's a barrier in the way. And we just wonder. And the truth is, sometimes we believe that we are defined by our worst moments. The moments that we would rather put behind us, the moments that we would sort of like to pretend never happen, haunt us. And it feels like that's the thing that identifies us. And maybe if it's something that was sort of public, we feel like other people feel that way too. But especially with God, maybe this one thing defines the relationship that we have with God. We know we sometimes do this. Great example of that is the 1986 World Series between the Boston Red Sox, the New York Mets. Maybe some of you remember this, and there's already a name that's coming to your mind if you do. Because it was game six of that series, the Red Sox were ready to put away the Mets. They were tied at the end of nine, so they went to the tenth inning. The Red Sox scored two in the top of the tenth, came to the bottom of the tenth. The Mets score two, man on base, and then Mookie Wilson comes up to bat, and this happens. Let's watch the video.
And of course, the Red Sox went on to lose, and uh, so most Boston Red Sox blamed Bill Buckner for that, even though you could have blamed other people, and he could barely show his face in that town for many years and was considered a failure because of that, even though he was a Major League Baseball player for 22 seasons, career 289 hit, over 2,700 hits. If you talked about those stats with anyone else, you'd say he was a great player, and yet... He was remembered, and in some ways is still remembered, for that moment, that error at first base on that particular night. And sometimes we feel a little bit like we are identified for that one day, that one night, that one decision, that one conversation that feels like it tells our whole story. So what do we do with that? How do we handle that? Today we continue in this series that we're calling Beyond. And we're thinking about how God takes us beyond some limitations that we place on Him and some limitations that we place on ourselves. And today we're thinking especially about our sin and how our sin holds us back from making us, allowing us to be what we could be and certainly having the relationship with God that we could have. And today, to, to address that, I want us to look at three passages, just a few verses in each, and, and think through what Scripture has to say about how God views our sin. The first of those is found in the Gospel of John. It's Jesus' sort of final teaching in John 15 as he prepares for the cross. And Jesus says these words that help us understand how he saw the cross. He says, No one has greater love than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Now, as Jesus says that, he's anticipating the cross. He made the decision to go to Jerusalem. He made the decision knowing what was going to happen there, that he was going to die on a cross. And not only was he going to endure the physical pain of that death and death itself, but as he went to the cross, he was going to carry the sins of all of mankind, my sins and your sins. He knew that he would pay the price for what we have done. And he says this was an expression of, of love. That's what took Jesus to the cross, was his love for me and for you. Because when he says, laying down a life for his friends, who are his friends? We are. We are Jesus' friends in that moment. And in fact, every human being who has ever lived is living now or will ever live. That's who Jesus is talking about in this moment. There is no greater love than for Jesus to go to the cross and willingly give up his life to forgive us of our sins, to offer us something that we could never achieve on our own because we could never make that sin go away. We could never somehow forgive ourselves of this. Jesus had to do this for us, and he did it in this death. Another verse I'd like us to look at, it's found over in 1 John. Again, the same John, but this time writing to the church. And he says this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. He says, this is how we have come to know love. If you want to know what love is, this is it. He laid down his life 
for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. Now, what's John telling us? He's telling us this is the greatest expression of love. And because Jesus could see something within us, something that maybe we missed in ourselves. Because you see, what are we focused on? We're focused on that one sin, that one moment, that, that series of sins that repeated, that, that showed who we were. He sees beyond that person. He sees beyond all the mistakes that we made to something more. And that's a key to understanding this relationship. And it's all motivated from Jesus' love for us. But especially as we think about our sins, we could even turn back to an Old Testament passage, even before Jesus, to think about how God understands sin. Psalm 103 speaks to this in verses 11 and 12. The psalmist says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love. Still, we're being motivated by God's love here toward those who fear him. And then this, as far as east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Okay, that sin, it's on our minds. That sin seems like, and we just can't get any distance from it. But what God is telling us is, he gets it as far away from us as possible. He's not even thinking, even though we're still thinking about that sin, God has separated us from that sin. And he has offered us forgiveness that is a gift that we simply have to receive. And so the message I think for us is this. God saw what you could be rather than what you were. God saw what you could be rather than what you were. We look at what we, what we were. We look at the mistakes we've made and we sometimes feel like other people look at that as well. They just see how broken we are, how messed up we are. That's how we feel about ourselves. And God sees something different. God sees what he created us for. God sees what we could do. The, the, the meaning that we could give to the lives of other people. God sees how we can serve him. He sees what we could be rather than what we were. The sin that became so much a part of our lives that it felt like it defined us. God sees what we could be rather than what we were. And that's a hard adjustment for us to make. You know, it's really hard for us to take that and say, okay, I'm going to see who I can be rather than who I've been. I'm going to recognize that because my sin is forgiven, I've got a different future than what I thought was in store. I've got a different eternity than what I thought was in store. And yet, over and over again, what we find from the message of Scripture is that God is forgiven. And He wants us to know that He's forgiven us. And so when we take this truth, that, that He sees what we could be rather than what we were, we want to sort of think it through in three different ways. And the first is this, know that you can be forgiven. Now, as hard as that lesson is for us, that's exactly what we need to do. We see almost every single New Testament writer remind us that we can be forgiven. What do we have to do to find forgiveness? Well, we have to put our trust in Jesus Christ. When, when we make that commitment of faith that I'm going to follow Jesus above all else, I'm going to make him Lord of my life, we receive that forgiveness. And, and the truth is, that's not the end of sin, is it? Because we, we make more mistakes. 
We continue to sin at times. Even though we're trying, even though we're working on it, we still do it. But the message of Scripture is, even then, if we go to God and ask forgiveness, He will forgive. And so today, we can know that we are forgiven. Here's the simple truth. Every single person in this room today can walk out that door forgiven. We just have to ask. Now that seems too simple at one level. It seems like there's got to be more to it. I should have to do something. I should have to beat myself up a little bit. I should have to feel bad. And, and you know, we do feel bad about it. We do look back on our sin and we feel all this guilt and heaviness and, and, and it does feel pretty tough, but none of that forgives us. It seems like it's too easy, but the truth is it was never easy because of what it required from Jesus. And what it required from Jesus was the cross. So it's never cheap. It's never easy. It was always costly. But what makes it seem easy for us is that someone else paid the price. And so today, we really can know that we are completely forgiven. You don't have to live this life, and you don't have to live eternity with that guilt on your shoulders. You can be free of it. And what you have to do is ask. That's the first truth I want us to take with us. Second, your sin doesn't have to hold you back. Okay, this one's equally hard. Because, you know, the truth is we look back on our sin and we look back on the stuff that we've done wrong and the relationships that we feel like we've broken and, and we just see how we've messed up over and over again and it's easy to look on ourselves and see like damaged goods, right? I messed up. How much could I really be worth to God as many times as I've made the same mistake? And so somehow that, that would disqualify me for really doing anything that matters for God. Because I've messed up so much, how could I then take all of that with me into the future and serve God in a way that really makes a difference? And so surely that means that there's nothing I can do. But that's just not true. Now, does sin have its consequences? Absolutely. It might be that you're living with the consequences of something that happened years or even decades ago. Sin has consequences, that's for sure. But you know what? Sin does not disqualify us from serving Jesus Christ. Because if it did, none of us could serve, could we? Because we are all sinners. Every single one of us come at this on a level playing field because there's not some sins that are worse and some sins that are sort of bad and some that are really bad. If sin disqualified us, we would all be disqualified. But again, God sees what we could be rather than what we were. And what every single one of us was is a sinner. But God sees what we can be. And God sees how he can take us and reform us into the people that he intended us to be from the very beginning. He sees the difference that, that can happen because the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. And because of that, He can take what is broken and do something meaningful with it. He can change it, in other words. 
So no, your sin doesn't disqualify you from serving. In fact, God can use that. And that leads us to the third thing. As you overcome sin, you help others. This is the way it works. We all have something in our past. And what do we want to do with that? What we want to do is hide it. We want to sort of tamp it down, push it away, so that no one will ever see it. Hopefully we won't ever think about it again. But what happens sometimes when we, when we say, okay, this is, this is part of who I am, and I've battled this, and because of the power of God at work in me, not because of my own strength, not because I'm some superman who's really got all this spiritual strength together, but because God is at work, this has been overcome. That can be an encouragement to other people because we're all dealing with sin. And when we see someone who is defeating the enemy that we are fighting, it's an encouragement. And it's amazing how God can use us to minister to one another in this way. To help us see that there really is hope. You see, sometimes we can be a source of hope for the people around us because of what God is doing. Again, not because of our strength, but because of the strength of God. So God is inviting you to sort of allow Him to use you to strengthen others because He's helping you overcome sin. So we're left with this choice. I could just carry my sin with me forever. could beat myself up over and over again. I could really feel bad about who I am and who I've become, and none of that will make me any better. Or... I can believe that what Jesus did on the cross has the power to transform every single one of us into something much greater than what we can achieve on our own. We can make the choice to believe the promises of this God who created us, sustains us, and offers us the gift of eternal life. The message of Scripture is clear. What we have to do is choose to believe it. That God sees something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself. He sees what you could be rather than what you were. This morning, we've moved our communion time around a little bit. We take communion every week because we believe, first of all, that Jesus called us to do that, to remember him, but but also because it's such a meaningful time. We take communion remembering the, the bread, which reminds us of Jesus' body on the cross, and the cup, which reminds us the fact that Jesus, Jesus just gave his blood for us. And it reminds us that Jesus went there willingly with a purpose in mind. Scripture says he set his face toward Jerusalem, and he went there to die. So I'm going to ask the guys if they'll prepare for communion, if you'll go to the back and prepare to serve communion and ask our musicians to come forward as well. And we're going to take communion today sort of in a different spot in our worship service, but reminding us that, you know, during this time, we remember Jesus. And I'd like for us, as we take communion today, to once again accept the forgiveness that comes from Jesus, but also to use this time as the trays are passed and we hold the bread and the cup, I'd like us to, to take some time 
to repent. And repentance simply means, yeah, I, I recognize what I've done wrong. I feel guilt over it, but more than that, I also recognize forgiveness. And I recognize that I need to change. And for us, it's not just about having the strength to change, but it's having the willingness to put our faith in Jesus Christ to allow Him to change us. So maybe there's a sin that you need to confess to God today. Maybe there's a sin you need to repent of. Maybe there's forgiveness that you need to receive that you struggle to receive. Whatever it is, I just hope that as we take communion today, you'll spend some time talking to God about where you stand with Him and allowing Him to forgive you. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the bread and the cup. Not because of what they are, but because of what they remind us of. Jesus' body and blood. And the fact that he gave himself. And in that giving, in that offering on the cross, he gave us something that we could never get for ourselves. Real forgiveness. And the hope of eternal life. And God, as we take the bread and the cup today, we repent of our sin. And as difficult as it may be, we receive forgiveness. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.